everybody and welcome to the House of Mario, the South Australian Nintendo podcast that is backed by a 120 power star rating. I'm your host Drew Agnew and the doors to episode 226 are open. This week on the show, EA's social media intern is a bloody idiot. (laughs) Fire Emblem is killing it on mobile. And the Nintendo Direct Partner Showcase shows us why third-party support is still pretty decent on Switch. And to talk all about that is uh, is me. It's a solo show. So thank you very much for joining me to talk about this week in Nintendo. I very much appreciate it, as I do every week. You know, w- without you guys here, this is just a house, but you guys make it a home. So I really do appreciate you guys lending us your time, energy, and uh, just just love. Oh, I don't know if you have love. You might be here for hate. That's, uh, I don't know. Don't know about that. I don't know why you're wasting your time doing that stuff, but anyway. So a bit of housekeeping to start things off. We will be doing our monthly game gathering. We had to postpone it from last week. Lucas, my son, was just, uh, you know, he's he been a baby. It's just a little bit hard to get to sleep. And, uh, you know, by the time he finally got to bed, I'm like, Whoa, just flustered and not in the right place for it. So I apologize for that. Everyone in the Discord, thank you very much for just uh, understanding and being able to just, uh, you know, match up to my schedule a little bit. So we will be recording this on the 6th of July, Australian Central Standard Time, and it'll be up on the Encore at the House of Mario podcast feed on the 7th. So that will be Thursday here in Australia. So that'll be really fun. The game is going to be Kid Icarus on Nintendo Entertainment System. You can check it out on Nintendo Switch Online with your subscription, or you can check out the classic on 3DS, or God forbid, use an emulator. But no, I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not past that. You can use whatever you like to play this game. It's going to be good and fun. So go and check that out. And um, to get into things, I guess uh, Guru Geek Out, paying sort of homage to our good friend Bobby Paul's Nintendo Guru. Um, just, uh, I guess, just a big shout out to my mate Bryce. He's not here today, but um, you know, quite often he uh, just randomly pops over every now and again. You know, I'm sitting on the couch. Not not up to much. Maybe playing some Switch. Maybe changing Lucas's nappy. You know, doing some mundane stuff. And Bryce pops in after work, and it's always nice. He brings over a beer. He bring last night. He brought over some hot chips, and um, we're just about to leave the house. Actually, I was going to go and have some dinner with <laughs> with my uh, with my mother-in-law. And um, Bryce knocks on the door just about to leave, and Bryce said, "Oh, look." Uh, don't worry, Chantel. I'll have him over there in 15 minutes. And I think about an hour went. And well, all right, we better we better head off. It was just nice to catch up with him, you know, outside of the uh, outside of the podcast. Because I guess like the last uh, last few times, it's just been catching up for the podcast. What you guys listen to is what we, <laughs> what we uh, talk about, I guess. Um, so being able to talk about other stuff is uh, is good fun. But we were talking about games anyway, so we just really can't help it. <laughs> And also a big shout out to a new friend of mine, Josh. He uh, hosts a podcast called Nintendvania, and it's another South Australian Nintendo podcast. I believe he's up to episode 16 or so, so relatively sort of new in his podcast career. And I really enjoy that show, so definitely go and check out Nintendvania. Both Bryce and I have been a part of that show before as guests. Um, That's a solo show he does, and he has a different guest each episode. And it works out really well. He's had some really great people on, all from South Australia and you know, he's, he's really up in the game as far as getting South Australian guests on. It's pretty cool hearing people from around Adelaide and all that and whether they've got their own shows or they're just uh, big gamers and love what they do. It's been really great. So go and check out Nintendvania. And Josh and I, we are actually going to be working together a little bit more. We're going to be doing some more sort of book club episodes. 
uh, Josh and I, we recorded an episode about uh, Reggie's book, um, which was a lot of fun. So we decided to do a few more. So next time we're going to be talking about the book all about Awada. So that's going to be great. That came from Amazon. So I'll be checking that book out. We're going to be doing that maybe monthly going into the future. And we're also teaming up for some Patreon content for both of our Patreons. So basically, I've, I've got a, a, a Patreon and he has one. And we're going to be doing a podcast called Heaps Good. <laughs> and it's just a really laid back sort of uh, podcast where we just have a discussion, talk about whatever we like. We recorded the first episode today. And man, it was just great, you know, just getting learning about, learning about Josh. and Because um, he grew up not too far away from me, well, for a little bit of his life before he moved away and eventually uh, arrived in Adelaide. But it was um, yeah, it was just really great. So it's going to be sort of a monthly thing on both of our patrons. You can support either of us, whether it's mine at iDruby or his at Nintenvania. Go and check out either of them. I think they're uh, both unique and great. And of course, you can decide which one you'd like to support, if not both, of course. <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, a lot of fun. I cannot wait to do that. Just selfishly, I think it's just a great way to uh, work together with another really fantastic and new podcaster. So I think that's going to be a lot of fun. I've actually, I was talking to him about sort of, you know, gear and what we've got and uh, not sponsored, but holy crap, if we get a sponsorship of any variety, it's, I don't want it to be Rage Shadow Legends or any of this bullshit on YouTube because like, you know, just what a load of shit that is, right? But Rode, who do microphones and do this wonderful item called the Rodecaster Pro. It's fantastic. That's what we record all our podcasts on. It saved our episodes multiple times. <laughs> saved it last week, I believe, <laughs> when we were saying, hey, the computer stopped recording. Huh. Oh, well, we've got a backup. No no worries. Uh, Josh has gone and bought one of them. So um, his audio quality and just ease of use, and he's going to have so much fun with it. I'm looking forward to hearing from him when he's had a chance to play around with it. So, yeah, go and check out Nintendovania. Wonderful Nintendo podcast. Definitely worth adding to your repertoire throughout the week. It's only fortnightly too, so maybe if you don't need another weekly podcast or fort- fortnightly, it's there for you. All right, let's jump into some game impressions. So still playing Mario uh, Strikers Battle League. Very much enjoying it, but when ranked mode got uh, switched on, so the season started, it went from, hey, I'm not too bad at this game, to, oh, no, I'm getting my head kicked in. All right. Um, I was playing in bed, and I haven't had a rage moment in a long time. You know, I I haven't been playing many sort of, I guess, online games. So I haven't really had an opportunity <laughs> apart from maybe Smash Brothers back in 2018 online before I learned hmm, Nintendo's online isn't quite where I need it to be. And is that an excuse I'm using for my own skill and ability? Maybe a little bit. Um, but Mario Strikers Battle League, man, everyone, everyone kicked my ass. And it was a little bit embarrassing because with the seasons, it actually keeps track of it all. This isn't just a bit of Mario Kart. Ah, I lost. Doesn't matter, you know. This is a uh, this is this is serious stuff. This is um, House of Mario FC, you know, kind of representing that. And I talked a lot of shit to a lot of other Nintendo podcasts, and seems like you know Sean Capri sort of uh, stepped up on that mantle, and he's um, he's sort of throwing it back at me, and I'm like, shit, what have I done? I talk the talk, but can I walk the walk? And I've even seen some other people call me out in other Discord saying, look, uh, you know, the House of Mario, they're not really they're not walking the walk. They can talk the talk. And look, it is what it is. At least I can talk the talk. I'm a, I'm a podcaster. At least I can talk. Can I walk? Don't know. I'm standing up at the moment when I'm recording this. So that's a start. But 
in all, in all seriousness, guys, I know there's a few people in our groups, in our club, sorry, and I know a lot of people didn't even play one match. Okay? We've got 20 positions in our club, and we need people to pull their weight. And look, I know there's a few people out there. I know Zach, wonderful member of our community, does a wonderful podcast, Blowing Cartridges. Absolutely love that show. He got married yesterday at the time of recording this. So big shout out to Zach. Big shout out to Zach. In fact, he should be one of the Guru Geek Outs. He is one of the Guru Geek Outs now. Well done, Zach. Hope you had a fantastic day, mate. I hope uh, it was everything you and your partner desired and wanted. Because, yeah, I only got married last year and it was one of the best days of my life. It was awesome. I hope it's the same for you. But you didn't play any games, mate, of Mario, Mario Battle Strikers. Oh, Mario Battle Strikers. I can't even... Well, maybe I can't talk. I can't even talk or walk. Mario Strikers Battle League. You didn't play one match, mate. Now, look, I know you, if you're going on a honeymoon, you know, you got a week off, mate. But if you're not back on the field, get in the boot, mate. Uh, same with you, Metadox. I noticed you didn't play a game. No good. Dane Peavy joined our club. Didn't play a game. Now, is this the dedication of our players, right? Or is this Mario Strikers Battle League already in a sharp decline? We know the game didn't have a lot of content at launch. In fact, it doesn't have much content now. So is this the game's fault or is this... Um is this the captain's fault? Is this Drew's fault for not rallying the team members around him to get the goals, to get the points, to get up the league? I don't know. But the first season for sure was a learning experience for House of Mario FC. That's for sure. Going into the second season, we'll be taking it a lot more seriously. A big shout out to the Winter Gamer for scoring us most of our points. I got basically no points. So... Going into it, I want some serious players, guys. We need to get some points. We need to be taking on Nintendo Drive. We need to be taking on Nintendo Shack. We need to be taking on Nintendo Powers. There's a lot of Nintendo podcasts out there. All of their own discords. All of their own clubs. And it's not going to be easy. That's for sure. It's not going to be easy, but we will get there. So do the tutorial. Do some matches against some CPUs. And we'll see you on the field very soon, guys. So thank you very much. If you'd like to join our club, it's in the show notes. But uh, if you can't read, I guess I can read it out to you. It's 1Y6XWB8. Uh, so put it in and let's have some fun. In all seriousness, this is it's a lot of fun. Let's, uh, let's, let's, have, some, let's have some matches. Uh, moving on, um, I played a little bit of Fire Emblem Warriors Three Hopes. I only sort of booted it up on basically the first day, uh, like a week after it came out. So... Um, eventually got around to it. I didn't play it last weekend, but I booted it up on the Thursday. And as someone who didn't play a lot of Fire Emblem Three Houses, I really enjoyed all the characters, the aesthetic, the um, you know the cutscenes, the story. But with every Fire Emblem game, I just happened to fall off of it. I don't know why. I don't know if that's a dedication thing from myself, like I can't stick to a long game, or it's because it's just not grabbing me, and I prefer to play something else or do something else. I'm not quite sure. Um, but Fire Emblem's a series I really do want to stick with and I want to play through each game, to be honest with you, even if it's just for like, um, you know, understanding each game because of, you know, being, a, I guess, a Nintendo sort of pundit or whatever you want to call it here on the House of Mario. But it's definitely something I want to get back to. The house, sort of uh, Three Houses has always been a big backlog title for me. So 
Jumping into Warriors, I was excited because it's a different take on the Three Houses story. It doesn't have the turn-based sort of combat, but it's got the Warriors-style combat where you're just sort of in ways button mashing, doing combos, going through hordes and hordes of enemies. And you've also got that strategic uh, sort of aspect of it too, which I do enjoy. Um, So playing this game, it doesn't feel like a Warriors title, even compared to, say, Horror Warriors or even Age of Calamity. It feels like a Fire Emblem game just... When the cutscene's over and you're going into battle, it's just um, it's just a different battle system, which feels really cool. And there's heaps and heaps of sort of nuance to each uh, battle mechanic, even to the point where I'm like, all right, I can only fit so much in my brain. Can I just put this to the? Can I put this to the back of my brain so I don't have to think about it when it's telling you about like, you know, different weapons and all this? Like, all right, can I? I, I, I get I get the battle mechanics. Like I get like, you know, doing combos and utilizing sort of break mechanics when a shield comes up and that like, but do I need to know all this? Not sure. Not sure on that one. But I'm very much enjoying it. I'll have a lot more to say next week. I will finish this one for the love of Christ. <laughs> I will. I'm playing through the, the Edelgard uh, sort of a portion of the story and it's just, it's really compelling so far. Really enjoying it. Um, but I will say, just to finish off the, the Fire Emblem Warriors uh, sort of uh, talk, um, that it's going to be interesting because I'm playing this story before the Three Houses story. And the Three Houses story, it obviously goes into a lot more nuance for each character, explaining who they are, doing introductions. Whereas this game is very much based off like, oh, you probably know that, so we're going to subvert your expectations about each character. And I'm finding it, I'm finding it fine just playing this game um, off the bat. Um, even though I, I, even though I did do a f- probably six hours or something of um, three houses, so I did get introduction to like a, a few a few of the sort of um, house captains and all the characters at the school. But you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of game after <laughs> after that. So yeah, I'm really enjoying it. I think it's great, and it's going to be really weird when I go back to three houses and I actually get the I guess the the quote unquote real story, and it's all it's all different, and that's going to be the the game that sort of subverts my expectations. Um, Last week I said that I purchased a Steam Deck on eBay and I was a little bit nervous. Like, you know, it's probably going to be a scam or something like that. And here we are. I believe believe it's 100% a scam, guys. I got scammed on eBay for a Steam Deck. And it's uh, a little bit embarrassing to admit. Um, But it is what it is, I believe. So how how I sort of uh, noticed this is that it wasn't like anything in the profile or anything like that. I got the shipping information. So I got the shipping information on the 28th of June. And as soon as that happened, I got sort of notified everything else about (laughs) what happened. So on the 28th, I get the information. On the 27th, it was apparently delivered. And keep in mind, I only ordered it on the 23rd of June. So it took like no time to come across the, from the other side of the world. Um, I ordered it from like a certain European country. It came from America and it came from America, from America in four days. The item was shipped before I even purchased it three days before I even purchased it. Um, so whether I'm, I'm just really curious guys, because fair enough, like you're on eBay, you know, you want to get some money, but you don't want to sell anything. Right. So you're like, I've got a steam deck. And someone buys it, like, I'm not going to send you the Steam Deck. <laughs> and, you know, however you want to do it that way. But it's another thing being able to sort of fake this information. This is the, that's the part that really sort of baffles me. 
How do you... How do you make it seem like, all right, your item got delivered and it went from this airport to this airport, went to customs, went to Melbourne, Australia and got delivered on your doorstep. How do you fake that? I'm not sure. I'd love to hear if you guys have any answers. I've been asking um, you know, a few friends and that, Bryce included, like, how do you do that? Not that I want to do that. I think it's a really, excuse my Australian, but it's a real cunt of a thing to do. <laughs> It really is. It's, it's it's no good at all. So, yeah, just curious. If you'd like to tell me, you know, add iDruby on Twitter. <laughs> I, I, I just got no ki- ki- uh, clue. But I am very disappointed. I was really looking forward to getting a Steam Deck and I might get one eventually after a couple more scams or whatever. I'm, I'm Look, I'm not too worried because I'm pretty confident I'm going to get my money back through eBay. It's a eBay money back guarantee type of thing. So I'm not too worried when I lose what I put down. It is annoying and frustrating. But yeah, I'm just sort of bewildered of how it happened. And I think there's 1% chance or 1% of me that is like, it might still rock up on the 10th. It might just be faulty shipping information. Might have got mixed up in the server. I doubt it. I don't think so. It seems like um, seems like it's a no-go. But yeah, disappointing. I was really looking forward to getting it. There's lots of games I want to play, including a lot of stuff that's, um, how do you put it? emulated <laughs> a lot of nintendo stuff from gamecube Game Boy advance you know a lot of stuff we don't have access to on modern consoles can't even go to wii u or 3ds to get um, a lot of Game Boy advance games and gamecube games and what kind of sparked this I, I sort of mentioned it a bit last last week but i found someone on facebook marketplace who had a, just an, a legendary gamecube collection and I was keen just to go through and pick out all the Nintendo published stuff, all the stuff I've been wanting to play for years. And for the most part, I don't want to sit in front of my computer and play an emulated GameCube. It's not really what I want to do. I've tried it, but I just don't stick to it because it doesn't really, it doesn't feel legit because it's, it's not. <laughs> but there's a ton of games. There's like, there's Paper Mario, the Metroid Prime uh, games, uh, obviously, well, I played Wind Waker HD, but it would be nice to play the original and Mario Sunshine. Obviously got access to Mario Sunshine, so that's the one game you don't have to worry about. But it's, um, when he went into the prices, it was just, it just blew me back. Like 500 bucks for a sealed copy of WarioWare. Like, Jesus, probably not. Uh, Pokemon Coliseum and XD. XD especially, it's a $400 game. Mmm. <laughs> probably, probably not. Probably not. So, you know, even like Paper Mario, $250. I'm like, I can't justify that, man. None of that money is going to Nintendo. It's not paying for the next Paper Mario game, for example. It's like it... And even then, I'm playing on an old GameCube and it's looking crap on my like HD screens now. It's just it's just not how I want to play it. So there's a lot of stuff that I want to do like that on Steam Deck. Um, and also, obviously having it portable and all that. And obviously what I would want is Nintendo to actually offer that to us and I would love to buy <laughs> buy some of the games. There's been rumors that there's going to be a, a Metroid Prime HD remake coming out this year. That'll be cool. That'll be awesome. Give me that. I'll buy it. Don't you worry. 80 bucks down and out. <laughs> out my bank account into Nintendo's purse. But I don't think that's, um, I don't know. Might happen. Might not. But there's like, there's a, like people familiar with the emulation scene like Dolphin, which is, a GameCube and Wii emulator. You can do widescreen GameCube games, put them up to 4K. You can put all the bells and whistles onto these games and they look awesome. They look like HD remakes in themselves. And you can even, there's even a custom Dolphin emulator called, I think it's called Prime. 
what's it called? Prime Hack. Yes. So you can play, uh, I guess, the the Prime Trilogy on Wii with dual sticks, which is awesome. So there's like lots of little things you can do on it, which are really exciting. So, and of, of course, I just want to play actual Steam games. I want to get through the Mass Effect series. I've never touched Mass Effect in my life. Never, never jumped on the sticks for Mass Effect 1, 2, or 3. And at the time, like Mass Effect 2, I would have been like, you know, probably early high school. I didn't play the first one. So when the second one rolled around, I know a lot of people jumped on Mass Effect 2. Um, you know, I just, I just wasn't interested probably playing something else, probably playing like buddy Mario 3D Land or some shit. <laughs> Not some shit. I love that game. Um, but yeah, it's stuff like that. There's a lot of stuff I sort of miss and I like to play on a handheld. So I'm keen for it, but this one might not be the time. So might be Steam Deck updates every now and again. <laughs> have I been Have I been scammed? Have I, been, have I lost hundreds of dollars on eBay? Find out next week on the House of Mario. All right, so let's jump into some, into some news, guys. There's been a little bit of stuff that's happened apart from the Nintendo Mini Partner Showcase. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's looking, I was, I was going to say it's looking pretty good, but you know, it's, it's interesting enough to record an episode anyway. So let's jump into it. Woohoo! Yeah! Is that all? I fight for my friends. My body is still all right, so we're 20 minutes in, and I've got a can of Pepsi Max here. Oh, look, I'm usually like a Coke guy. I like my Coke. I don't like Diet Coke, and uh, I like Pepsi Max. I don't like normal Pepsi, but Pepsi Max sort of has it over it. I was ordering KFC the other day, and they accidentally gave me a Pepsi Max instead of just a normal Pepsi, and it's in the 600ml bottles, and I'm like, it actually tastes a lot nicer at the bottles than it does the cans, but we've got a can nevertheless. I've got a uh, sort of... Gotta wet my throat a bit before we get into this exciting news. God, it's exciting. <sighs> Wonderful stuff. <laughs> anyway, that's what you get when you get a solo show, I guess. You gotta listen to the man drink. So Nintendo held a Nintendo Direct mini partner showcase. And honestly, guys, this was a great show. It was probably easily the best partner showcase we've seen from Nintendo. And and you know. I think we've seen some great shows previously, like nothing like amazing, but there's always been something like, oh, that looks, that looks pretty cool. And I think it's great that Nintendo have these because if they didn't, it probably means that we're not getting any significant f- f- third-party support from Nintendo. And I, I was listening to the uh, Nintendo Drive podcast with Sean Capri, Kato, definitely go and listen to that. But there was sort of a, a comment Sean made and he said that back in the Wii U days, we would have killed for one of these. And that is 100% true. And like a lot of people now are like, oh, it's just a, it's just a third-party showcase. Who cares? It's like, no, man. Like we, we, you need this type of content to make a successful platform. You need – we've got plenty of indies. Nintendo's putting out some good games at the moment. <laughs> I wouldn't say great games. I wouldn't say Mario Strikers and – uh, Nintendo Switch Sports have been knockouts, but they've been they've been fun. Whether they're worth your money or not, I don't know. Maybe if you get them a little bit cheaper, yes. Um, but we we need these bigger games as well. We need partners like Square Enix, Capcom, even Valve, Bandai Namco. A lot of these big Japanese um, developers are still on board with Switch, even though some titles are ports. 
But uh, that doesn't make him any less exciting. I think, uh, especially a couple here that we know, like the Persona games, been asking for for a long time. And it's awesome to see them here. And even though when they were coming to Xbox, it's like, surely Switch. But it, it, it 100% was not a given that we're definitely going to get it. So going through some of the games that I've personally just uh, picked out and think look interesting. We've got, uh, I guess you say, uh, Blank to start off with. Um, it look, looks pretty cool. It's like a, uh, I guess, a, a black and white um, sort of asymmetric game when someone's playing as a deer and the other person's playing as like a little fox or a little dog. And it's a little co-op game. looks pretty cool. If it was sort of like a little puzzle game where he's just like you're playing as one character and you can maybe swap swap between the two, I'd be interested. But if you do have to do, um, team up with someone, yeah, pro- probably not. <laughs> um, another game I'm sort of interested in is Dragon Quest Treasures, which looks pretty cool. Comes out in the uh, 9th of December. And it's just another Dragon Quest spinoff where you go out into the wild, you're sort of looking for treasures, capturing monsters, all that. It looks pretty cool. Um, another one from Square Enix, a brand new title, a brand new IP, Harvestella coming out November 4th. And this one really sort of stood out to me, guys. It looks really cool with like the artwork and sort of the loop of farming monster, um, going into dungeons, very much sort of off of like Harvest Moon and what those games are doing. And even reminds me a little bit of Atelier, how you're coming back and you're using your items and crafting things. I think it looks pretty cool. It's definitely on my wish list. Um, when it comes on the pre-order on the eShop. So definitely looks pretty cool. Another game, Little Noah. Looks pretty cool as well. It came out on the same day as the as the Direct. Um, we'll t- talk about it a little bit more in the uh, Red Coin releases, but looks pretty nice. Uh, a game I'm really looking forward to actually coming out this month is Live Alive. And there's a brand new demo out today. The demo transfers over to the full game for your save file. So... I'll try this out a little bit later. It's a little, for me, for these demos, I think they're a great idea. But if I play them like too early, uh, when I get to the full game, I'm like, oh crap, where was I when I was playing the demo? And that happened to me with Octopath Traveler. It's a little bit like getting a game, you play it one week and you leave it a month. All right, where was I? What am I doing? And RPGs are probably the worst game to do that for, whether it's like story, battle mechanics, all of that, you you lose it all. So... Definitely a game I'm really looking forward to this month. And as far as games coming out this month, we've got some absolutely banger, a banger lineup for JRPGs. We've got Live Alive from Square Enix. We got um, Digimon Survive from Bendo Namco. And we've obviously got Xenoblade 3 from Nintendo. So um, if, you're, if you're into JRPGs, man, you're going to have an absolute blast. Uh, I've been thinking about it as well. I think I'm going to uh, personally for myself let Xenoblade Chronicles 3 slip. Um, I'm going to make sure I actually get through one and two first. And I'm not saying I'm going to get through them this year. It might be, I might be playing Xenoblade three in five years time, which is, which could very well be the case, but I want to play it um, with all the story and everything, uh, all the context. And I don't want to play it just because I, you know, I feel like I should. And also Digimon survive comes out in the same day. And this is a game that's been delayed for years and years. And it's a turn-based Digimon game. Um, and a lot of it is sort of like visual novels. You're making choices. You're even making choices during battles as well. And I think that's awesome. And depending on your choices, it, it determines what Digimon you can turn onto your side. And it's very much about surviving in this really bleak world um, of the digital world. So 
I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I cannot wait for it. I'm a big Digimon fan from when I was a little kid. Um, I used to swap between Digimon and Pokemon. It's like my favorite, I guess, franchises or toys or games or whatever at the time. And I, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And I can jump into that with no sort of, uh, I guess, prior context of previous games or whatever, like Xenoblade. So I think it's going to be awesome. So that's going to be the game I'm going to be playing as well as Live Alive. Um, so it's going to be it's going to be a really packed end of the month. So you might have to use uh, the early month to maybe catch up on some some titles I've been meaning to get into, um, which is like, I guess, uh, Fire Emblem, Three Three Hopes, Atelier Sophie Two. I got a I got a backlog, everyone. It's uh it's kick, it's kicking my ass. I hope you guys got <laughs> right of your backlog. Another game that a lot of people have been looking forward to and actually leaked a little bit beforehand, but that's okay. It's, it was pretty much expected anyway. We got Mario Rabbids Sparks of Hope. It's got a release date for the 20th of October and holy man, holy moly, guacamole. Uh, October is packed for Switch. Even if it's third-party support that's maybe already been on other platforms, it doesn't matter. I think a lot of people that um, m- might only own a Switch or might prefer to play on Switch, like myself, you got a lot. You got you're eating well in October, especially if you like Japanese stuff. But um, Mario Rabbit Sparks of Hope. I think this game looks. It looks phenomenal. Like the first game looked and played phenomenal as well. And it's a big sort of surprise from Ubisoft. Not because Ubisoft is a bad developer, but Ubisoft just typically just makes very different games. And I think the development team with David, uh, what's his name? Sol. Oh, I can't remember his last name, but. You know who I'm talking about, <laughs> uh, the, the uh, director on the game. Um, they've just done a fantastic job, and this game looks absolutely no different. I'm a little bit, I talked about it a little bit before, but I'm a little bit reluctant to pick up this game at launch just because I haven't been the biggest fan of just what Ubisoft has been up to maybe the last even five years, whether it's just been just um, just the type of games they're making or the microtransactions and the N- NFTs they're getting into and how they want to make everything a um, like a free-to-play service and just sort of what they're what they're doing and obviously the sexual <laughs> sexual harassment claims and all of that going on which you know obviously i i've got no sort of look into as far as if they're fixing it or not but it makes me a little bit sort of stand offish being like all right it looks like a great mario game but am i going to stick to my guns here i don't know i think i will <laughs> i think i will um so i'll probably pick it up a bit later and Everyone, just remember, if you're thinking about saving some money, this is a Ubisoft game. It will go on sale within three months. It will go down in price. It won't be an $80 game forever. So if you're not just dying to play it or you're going to be playing Persona or something in October anyway, it will go down in price pretty quickly. Um, Another big one we got was uh, Mega Man Battle Network Legacy Collection. And this is pretty cool. This is a, a collection of nine Mega Man Battle Network games. And this was always a franchise I was keen to get into. Um, sort of a lot of uh, people that gave it a go and were a big fan of Pokemon on the Game Boy Advance always sort of raved about these titles and looking into them. They look like really cool RPGs with a nice little active battle system. Um, so I'm keen to give them a go. I am sort of perplexed a little bit because like a sort of collection like this gets announced. It's like, oh, cool, that looks great. You know, I'll play it in three months. It's just slated for 2023. So that's at least probably six or seven months away. It just seems really early to announce a collection like this. Personally, for me, I'd probably like to announce it and have it out relatively soon. But 
it's nice to know that it's coming. I'll be picking it up on Switch. It'll be cool. Um, we got sort of more information at the very start about Monster Hunter Sunbreak. This is a title I probably won't be playing or the expansion anyway. Even if I bought it, I wouldn't have access to it because I haven't gotten far enough through Monster Hunter Rise. But it's going to be a massive sort of expansion that we've been seeing for a long time in marketing material and all that. And I think uh, I think it's great that Capcom have been supporting the Switch this well just with like a, an exclusive title. Came to PC, but... Um, I would like to see, well, even if I don't support it, because I, I, yeah, like I said, I'm not playing Monster Hunter Rise, but I hope a lot of people do enjoy this and get um, pick it up. So we do see some more Capcom stuff come to the Switch because they're an absolutely great publisher at the moment, absolutely killing it. Uh, we, we're getting a port of Near Automata. So this was a title I I didn't play in 2017, came to PlayStation 4, um, and. I was looking at the PC version, actually. It was on sale for 50% off, 44 bucks, And this is when I thought I was going to be getting a Steam Deck maybe this month. Um, and I was thinking about playing it on there. But it's coming to the Switch, and that's uh, pretty exciting. I'll probably be picking it up. It is actually at a pretty nice price. It's 55 bucks Australian on the eShop, so it's not even a full-price game. So that's good to know. The only thing I was a little bit sort of wary on is just like, all right, how's, this, how's it going to run? Because it's... Uh, a fast-paced action game on Switch that was beautiful on PlayStation 4. So how's it going to fare on Nintendo Switch? And according to the developers, it is going to run at 30 frames per second, 1080p docked, and 720 handheld. And if it can stay at a, at a locked 30, I think that would be great. I think it will work really well on Switch. Um, obviously, 60 is desired if you would like to play on another platform. Um, but I think uh, Nier is probably going to be a pickup for me. I think it's going to be a lot of fun um, and it's been a title I've been wanting to play for for a while. It's sort of, it, it's one of those games I, sh- I really should have played at launch because I know it's sort of right up my alley and I remember looking into it sort of um, up to launch in 2017 but obviously the Switch came out and I was just sort of captivated by that. Uh, but it, it sort of re- reminded me of Gravity Rush in a little bit. A little bit with the art style, a little bit with the aesthetic and the main character um, so I think it's going to be right up my alley. So I'm finally looking forward to getting into it on Switch. Uh, this isn't an announcement I was really <laughs> looking forward to, but Pac-Man World Repack. It comes out August 26th. I can't say that it does anything for me whatsoever. I know I know it's a lot of people like, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll pick that up. Oh, cool. I don't know. I don't know why. Like it looks fine, but I don't know when it's like a, when another company's like, check out my platformer on Switch. I'm, I'm just, I've, I've got my field with Nintendo, with Mario and Donkey Kong and all that. <laughs> uh, I know that's bad to say because it's, it's kind of saying like, don't even bother, which, you sh- which they 100% should. I'm sure there's lots of developers out there that have aspects of their 2D or 3D platforms that probably outdo what Nintendo does in some ways. But I don't think a, a sort of a repack of Pac-Man World is going to do it for me. But if you're looking forward to it, I think that's fantastic. I hope it, uh, hope it's everything you want it to be. On the list here, we got Persona is coming to Switch. Thank God, I've been wanting to play Persona Five forever. Um, but you know, I've got something in the back of my mind where I know how long it's going to take. I know the commitment, so I can never commit myself. And when Persona Five came out on PlayStation Four. I wanted to I wanted to support it. So I went and bought it. I went and got the steel book from Big W. Um, probably the week it came out. And I'm like, ah, oh, 
I think I, I put it in, I played it for probably two hours or so. And I'm just like, I, I, yeah, it's a long game. I can't commit myself because even with like The Last of Us Part 2, that's about a 30-hour game. I find it just really, I find it tough being like, all right, I'm going to play this massive game in front of my TV. I'm like, I just want it on Switch, please. And uh, it took a lot longer than I thought it would, but Persona 5 Royals finally here on Switch and even Persona 4 Golden and Persona 3 Portable on Nintendo Switch. Um, the other two games are coming out next year, but we're getting Persona on the uh, October 21st. All right, so that's way closer to Mario Plus Rabbids than I thought it was too. Wow. All right. Yeah, so October, I'm going to be playing Persona, I think. And what else is coming out after that? I know like Forspoken is coming out on PlayStation and PC. I'm really keen for that. That's a Square Enix game, sort of open world um, game developed by the Final Fantasy uh, 15 crew. Um can't think of much else than that because I've later in the year I get really busy, really my body's real tired and that from sharing and work. So maybe Persona Five will hopefully fit in there and I'll get through it on Switch. And get through it then then next year when Persona Four Golden and Persona uh, Portable come out, that'll be a lot of fun too. So absolutely stoked this is finally on Switch, guys. I'm gonna be talking about this a lot more going into the future when it comes out. Uh, we've got a, por- a portal uh, a compilation uh, collection. Don't know why that was so hard to get out, but this is pretty cool as well because there's actually like Half-Life code that people have found in the game as well, which is pretty neat. But this is a, a big game from Valve and in some ways, but not really, Valve are big competitors to Nintendo and not in the way that, oh no, Nintendo's got to look out for Valve because the Steam Deck, obviously people who want a Steam Deck can't get one. It's not sold in Australia, so Drew's getting scammed on eBay trying to pick one up secondhand. Uh, but um, I think like a lot of people who want want like, a, I guess, to play some games that aren't on Switch, you know, they'll be, they'll be picking up Steam Decks and stuff. But um, it's, it's cool to see Valve supporting Nintendo, putting the portal on there. A great game, so the more people that can play them, the better. Monkey, the return to Monkey Island. This was a bit of a, su- a surprise, and I just want to. I'm not really interested in it for myself, but I know like the developer was getting a lot of flack for the art art direction of the game to the point where he's actually um, jumping off of social media. So I think that was really sad. I'm like, okay, that's um, <laughs> yeah. If you don't if you don't like something, guys, just don't harass people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I just realized I worded that like I'm talking to the people listening to this. I'm, I'm sure you guys weren't harassing the developers about it, but I was trading on Twitter. I was just like, really? Really? Yeah. Uh, Sonic Frontiers, I'm keen for this game, but probably not on Switch. And seeing it, seeing the gameplay sort of shown on uh, on Switch, I'm like, ah, like it looks okay. Hopefully it holds up all right. But even like the technical aspect is looking a bit, a little bit shaky on uh, the other platforms as well, so we'll see how it goes. But this, the game looks pretty fun. I don't know if it's, I don't, it's not going to be like a big blowout title, but I think it is going to be just a lot of fun. Just, just running around Sonic in a field by itself would just be be fun at least for five minutes. Then when you're putting puzzles and platforming sections, and then going in portals and doing like more linear levels. It's going to be pretty cool if they can actually uh, polish up the gameplay from previous titles and put it into this. I think it's going to be pretty cool. Um, but it's definitely a game you want to check out reviews for. I wouldn't pre-order this over my dead body, I don't think. 
we got Super Bomberman R2, and Bomberman R was a launch game on Switch, and I think a lot of people bought it and sort of went, yeah, it's not very good. <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see how uh, people's expectations of this one holds up. And uh, yeah, that's the that's the end of the the direct, and I think it was uh, it was a good direct. There's a lot of stuff in there that I was keen to keen to pick up or try. For me, there's a fair few games I'll be buying, no question. I got the Persona games. So there's three. I've got the Mega Man Legacy, uh, the Battle Network Legacy collections. I'll be buying them. Near Automata, be getting that. Uh, the Dragon Quest Treasures, depending on when it comes out and the price, I assume it's a full price game. So it will have to probably be um, in a time that's a bit more barren. Um, I wouldn't mind picking up Portal, but at the same time, I've already got um, those games on Steam. So probably not. And um, I think a big one for a lot of people would be the Mario Plus Rabbids Sparks of Hope. Um, I'll be playing it eventually, whether it's October. Probably not with Persona right on top of it. Uh, And Live Alive, they're showing that one again and again. And... Uh, the biggest surprise, one I couldn't see coming, was Harvestella from Square Enix. I think that game was awesome. It's also coming out this year. Um, yeah, so there's a game in November after Persona. So we'll, we'll see if I can fit that in. I've got so many games in my backlog, guys. Like I really do want to play a lot of the, a lot of JRPGs. Get through a lot of series. There's even like a, oh, my backlog's uh, crazy, but I'm going to try and manage it the best I can. Um, I think I might. What I really want to do is I want to go back and play... I haven't played the Metal Gear ga- games, guys, so I want to go back and play the GameCube remake, uh, Twin Snakes. I want to play that because I can't go back to PlayStation 1. <laughs> I can't play the original. <laughs> and then I've actually bought um, Metal Gear 1 and... Th- oh, sorry, 2 and 3 on Xbox. Um, so, yeah, can to play them. Mass Effect, the Atelier series, Legends of Heroes, the Final Fantasy games. Yeah, just imagine how many hours of gameplay that is alone, let alone all the other stuff I've got. So anyway, <laughs> let's, let's continue on with the news. Um, this isn't really news, but it's a bit of a rumor I want to go over about Bayonetta 3. There's a rumor that it's coming out the 28th of October and uh, Sir Lux Hunter, who leaks various gaming-related announcement uh, announcements on Twitter, is claiming that Platinum Games' long-awaited Bayonetta 3 will be released on Nintendo Switch Family Systems Friday, October 28th, 2022. The leaker previously stated that they they are getting a mini direct this month and the Persona games and Mario Plus Rabbit Sparks of Hope would feature. Okay, so they're saying that it would have been a direct, but it was not. Of course, this all materialized yesterday uh, during the Nintendo Direct Partner Showcase. Uh, plus, he has also leaked other gaming-related information, which has come true. We shall have to wait and see for the next proper direct to see if Sirlax Hunter 2's rumor is correct. So the game is still scheduled to come out this year, so we'll see how that goes. Um, if it does come out October, that is another massive Japanese game on Switch. So that's cool. So it will be coming out with Near Automata. And I know that support, and a lot of people have already played it, probably who want to play it. But it's a, it's, a, it's a packed month if you're a bigger JRPG or just Japanese game fan in general. Um, we got some information about Pokemon Go's six-year anniversary event. And personally for me, I've sort of fallen off Pokemon Go. They've really, Niantic have made some poor choices as far as 
changes to the game, reverting a lot of great sort of features and mechanics they've brought in during the pandemic. Because um, if you could say anything was good about, I guess, uh, COVID, um, it was that Niantic made it so you could play Pokemon Go from your home. But they've reverted that because they want you to go outside and I guess sort of, uh, you know, share the game with others so other people get hooked on it and it makes it more fun and people will spend more money, which um, which if, if if that's what they're seeing in their results, that's that's cool for them. But um, when it's like <laughs> this time of year when it's winter time, 7 o'clock, it's just it's dark, it's cold, and there's a gym up the main street. And I'm like, all right, I'm not getting in my car and going there to play Pokemon Go. And also when I've got like my son and my wife, I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm going, I'm leaving. <laughs> I'm going to play some Pokemon Go for an hour and click on my phone with other people in their cars who I never talk to. So yeah, 2020, I really enjoyed Pokemon Go a lot more than um, what's happening at the moment. I barely even sort of touch it, which is a shame because when it's popping off, I love Pokemon Go. I think it's awesome. But let's read this from my Nintendo news to give you guys some information if you're still playing the game. It's hard to believe that Pokemon Go is now in its sixth year on the market and the iOS and Android game still remains as popular as ever with fans. With The Pokemon company has now announced details for the six-year anniversary event for the smartphone game, which kicks off at 10 a.m. Wednesday uh, and the 6th of July. The featured Pokemon for this event is the delightful Charizard, which is number six in the Pokemon Pokedex. As always, there will be a special event themed uh, field research and a battle weekend taking place. Here's just some of what to expect from the six year Pokemon Go anniversary event. And I think there's literally 50 dot points here, guys. So uh, actually, that's exaggeration, maybe 20. <laughs> Uh, Pokemon debuts. For the first time, trainers will be able to encounter the following Pokemon in Pokemon Go. Party Hat Charmeleon. Party Hat Charizard. And Cape Costume Pikachu. Trainers will be also be able to evolve their Party Hat Charmanders into Party Hat, Hat Charmeleon and Party Hat Charizard. Was... Uh, Wild Encounters. The following Pokemon will appear more frequently in the wild. Bulbasaur, Party Hat, Charmander, Squirtle, Cake, Costume, Pikachu, Machop, Ladybar, Roltz, Barneri, uh, Venipede, Chespin, Fennekin, Froakie, uh, Bunnelby, uh, Liplio, and Pikipek. If players are lucky, uh, Gabite, Clauncher, and uh, Heliotile. And raise, yeah, you know, we, we you get the event. There's a big event on. You can go and catch some Pikachu's and some cakes and stuff. Um, reading through those dot points, I feel like I'm having an aneurysm. I really do. Um, but I might, I might, I might turn it on. I haven't spent, I because, I guess put it in perspective. I probably in 2020 and 2021, I probably spent like a hundred or two hundred bucks. Like I was enjoying the game. I was putting thirty bucks into it each month, loading up on materials, putting up my um my bag space, my Pokemon PC, so I can fit more Pokemon in, trading Pokemon, doing every single little thing, uh, making time for each community day. But yeah, they've lost me. They've lost me. And I, I was a hardcore fan spending a lot of money. So I don't, don't know how many other people. I know a lot of people online who actually make content around the game are feeling pretty similar, but it is what it is. Don't have to be so negative about it. Happy sixth birthday, Pokemon Go. All right, moving on. So we got some, this is... 
kind of funny. So I didn't I didn't see this before the actual article come up when I was organizing the show, but Nintendo Life has an article uh, called Developers Don't Take Kindly to EA's Single Player Gag on Twitter. And the article reads, a new meme on the block has been making the rounds on Twitter recently with everyone weighing in and joining in on the tag. Born out of a game on TikTok, uh, they're a 10 but is meant to be a lighthearted joke where you bring up one flaw about someone who is otherwise perfect. In in all good faith, of course, no one is real. <laughs> um, gaming giant EA decided to take take in on the joke uh, in a way that ruffled feathers on many people's feathers, VGC reports. The developer shared its take on the joke earlier this morning and it was quickly met with ire. So EA, so Electronic Arts put out a tweet saying there are 10, but <laughs> they only like playing single player games and EA. They've been notorious for just like shutting down single player games, injecting microtransactions into otherwise single player games um, and just sort of destroying a lot of, um, a lot of good stuff. Their studios have been doing to the, to the uh, point when they'll actually shutting down just one of their best developers, which is, um, just baffling and in 2022 we're seeing them sort of come back to single player games but them saying this um now <laughs> odd but anyway we'll continue reading once upon a time you may remember that former ea games president frank um uh Gibber- Gibberu said, quote, I have not greenlit one game to be developed as a single player experience. Today, all of our games include online applications and digital services that make them alive 24-7, 365 days. Uh, and in 2017, EA's CFO suggested that many don't like linear games as much today as they did five years ago, end quote. Nowadays, Electronic Arts are doing a lot better in the front with successes like Jedi Fallen Order along with the upcoming sequel to Dead Space and, well, see, oh, oh, sorry, the, the, the sequel to Jedi Fallen Order and the Dead Space remake and a new Dragon Age title. But yesterday's tweet brought out a lot of feelings and people, including developers, had worked on EA games in the past. The former producer at EA and Visceral Games, someone who was behind the original Dead Space in Dante's Inferno, Zach Mumbach, was not happy with the company's tweet, calling them out for shutting down his studio and laying off a hundred great developers. So Zach said on Twitter, uh, this is the company that shut down my studio and laid off a hundred plus great developers because we were making a single player game. Also, if you break down game rating scores to just uh, a 10-point scale, most of EA's games are a solid 6 or 7, not because the developers are bad, but because EA and the corporation forces them to rush games out. Uh, EA (laughs) corporate leadership wouldn't know what a 10 looks like in terms of a video game. It's not just the former uh, developers who are commenting on the poorly worded joke either. Head of Respawn Entertainment, Vince Zampella, the studio behind a... Yeah, the studio behind Apex Legends, Jedi Fallen Order and the recent Medal of Honor games have a very uh, concise response. It's just uh, the emoji of hitting his... just force palming his head. And uh, Corey Barlog, the God of War director, just says single-player games forever. 
Loveheart, Annapurna, uh, Annapurna Interactive, who was a games publisher, just said it should have kept this one in the drafts. Uh, we've also got a must be a Twitch streamer that the Act Man, and then it's just a this you with a Jedi 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 Survivor that is uh, coming next year from EA. So yeah, just a really sort of a silly joke, and I know that it was just probably uh, the social media team just like trying to trying to you know cash in on a bit of hype as far as this whole uh, gag that's going around. Uh, TikTok. Personally, I, I had no idea about it. Um, I haven't really been on. Well, I don't go on TikTok at all. I haven't seen it come come over my feed. I must be a dad. <laughs> I'm not understanding the new trends. But yeah, just with EA's history, this is uh, <laughs> this really sort of kicks uh, a lot of these developers in the nuts. Like you can imagine, it's like what what really sort of <laughs> what really stood out to me was uh, Zach. Um, uh, Mumbatch was just imagine having your team just r- just destroyed, ripped out from from underneath you. Your studio closed because you were making a linear story based Star Wars game, which looked unreal. Has some of the best writers in the industry working on the game. Everybody that saw the one second of gameplay was just like, "Oh man, I cannot wait for that one." And with Star Wars Battlefront and Battlefront 2 from EA, a a DICE-developed game, just coming out to just microtransactions and just in 2017, EA was just absolutely disgusting with what they were pulling off, what they were trying to put in front of us. And I'm a big Star Wars fan and uh, (laughs) I I got, I think got Battlefield 2 for uh, real cheap, not Battlefield, Battlefront, Real cheap because no one was buying it, <laughs> and the story was ugh, it was it was fine, but it was it wasn't that good. And I never bothered with the 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 online portion because it was just a grind fest. They wanted you to spend money. And another sort of series I'm a big fan of from EA as well was Need for Speed, and Need for Speed they wanted to charge you for for basically cards to upgrade your car. And when you're spending like 80 bucks or 100 bucks on a game, a racing game, an arcade game, why would you want to have your credit card hooked up to upgrade your car? It just it absolutely just boggled my mind what EA's decisions were. And I, I know there's some people out there that probably don't care, got plenty of money, and they just, oh yeah, just pump some money into it, and I've got some awesome cars, and that works out well for them, but... For me, it just takes me out of the experience. I'm doing races. I don't want to be thinking about upgrading my car. I don't want to be thinking about, I've got to put this money in to get bloody Darth Vader in my Star Wars game. I should be getting Darth Vader as a playable character anyway. Are you kidding me? I don't know. It was just a really baffling decision. But I think EA, I think they sort of learned in like more recent times. And I'm not saying they learned for every game. The new Battlefield game is an absolute mess. Just an absolutely mess. And I don't think DICE have recovered since they've been making Battlefield games, which has been almost 10 years at this point. Uh, but with the new Star Wars games from Respawn, I think um, Fallen Order, it looks absolutely fantastic. A lot of good words have been said about it. I've actually got it on PlayStation 5, keen to get into that. That's another one of my backlog games since I've been a lot more into Star Wars and we've been re-watching the movies and all of that recently. But... 
this this was just like a, a kick in the guts to um a lot of EA developers. Whether whether it is um the team working on the Dead Space remake, Bioware working on New Dragon Age, and eventually Mass Effect, um, EA has some great talent that are making some good uh you know sort of single player experiences. Hopefully, <laughs> so this is. <laughs> Just keep doing your way, EA. You're looking pretty good compared to um, Ubisoft and Activision at the moment. So I'll give you that, but come on. What are you doing? We've got an article from gamesindustry.biz and uh, this is a bit of information for Japan. Could come over here, but Nintendo launches wild care service in Japan. And the article reads, Today, Nintendo announced its wild care service in Japan, which will provide customers repairs for their Switch consoles and accessories. As reported by VGC, the flat rate repair warranty service is priced at $1.50 monthly or $15 yearly. The damage the damages uh, covered include those that are caused by accident, water, as well as wear and tear over time. It's currently unknown if a similar repair service will be made in other countries. The announcement of the warranty subscription comes after Nintendo has received complaints about Joy-Con drift. They've uh, included... Uh, class action lawsuits and an investigation into the issue by the European Commission following over uh, 25,000 consumer complaints. In June, UK Consumer Watchdog, which re- released a report claiming over 50, uh, 40% of Joy-Con controllers for the base Nintendo Switch are hindered by drift issues. So this very much could be um, sort of, a, I guess, a pushback against drift and maybe a way to avoid lawsuits and get people to send in their um, Joy-Cons and other parts and accessories um, at, a, at a cost and probably at a profit for Nintendo. A lot of, a lot of companies offer sort of um, these services, whether it's Apple, you can get your Apple Care plan. I think Nintendo are probably just cashing in on that for the most part. Um and with the Switch not being as uh, as expensive as like an iPad or an iPhone, you know, fifteen dollars a year, probably probably not a bad price to ask if you've maybe got a Switch for your kid or yourself, and you lug, lug it around a fair bit, and you're worried about your sticks drifting. Want to be a bad idea, but of course it's Japanese only, so we'll see if it comes to the West anytime soon. Also on GamesIndustry.biz, we've got some information about Fire Emblem Heroes, which is the big mobile game. And it's the first Nintendo mobile title to hit $1 billion in spending. The article reads, Fire Emblem Heroes has become the first Nintendo mobile title to reach $1 billion lifetime global player spending, making it the most successful Fire Emblem game to date across platforms. Wow. I guess it would be with a million bucks. eh? According to Sensor Tower's latest report, Mario Kart uh, Tour and Animal Crossing Pocket Camp were tied as Nintendo's second most successful mobile games, both titles having generated uh, $282 million in lifetime global player spending since their respective launch in 2019 and 2017. Dragalia Lost, which Nintendo recently shut down, settled at number four with uh, $168 million in all-time global player spending. Mario Run ranks number five at $87 million, And Dr. Mario World took number six with $14 million. Interestingly, Fire Emblem Heroes isn't the most uh, downloaded Nintendo mo- mobile game, 
but charted at number four with its 17.8 million installs, while Super Mario Run took number one with 310.7 million downloads. During quarter one 2022 alone, Fire Emblem Heroes grossed 29 million in global player spending. The title initially launched in 2017 with uh, Japan being the most lucrative market. Yeah, so it's just an absolutely mind-boggling sort of amount of money to be made, and especially by an IP like Fire Emblem, which has you know, seen a, a massive sort of rise in the last 10 years, but seeing it uh, be Nintendo's most... <laughs> most uh, successful, I guess, as far as player spending goes for $1 billion, which is just a unreal amount of money. And even looking at some other of the Nintendo games that have been on mobile, like Dragalia Lost, like it still made a lot of money. It's kind of a little bit baffling why it's getting shut down in some ways because there's a, there's a lot of people sort of enjoying it and spending money. But anyway, it's I uh, don't think we'll be seeing Fire Emblem Heroes go away anytime soon. Um, so we've got one last article and it's from Go Nintendo and it's just titled Nintendo says it's difficult to create sequels and remakes for all fan requests but they appreciate the support and um, it's uh, well we'll read the article Nintendo has a ton of franchises under its belt and there are millions of fans for each those fans are always clamoring for new installments or remakes in those franchises and while Nintendo appreciates the interest, they simply aren't able to answer all of those requests. At Nintendo's 82nd annual general meeting of shareholders, Nintendo president Shun, uh, Shantaro Furukawa uh, talked about the interest in remakes and new entries in classic Nintendo franchises. Um, and he goes on to say, quote, uh, it is realistically difficult to develop new titles and remakes, including sequels, for every Nintendo game that people request. And we are very grateful and appreciate the expectations our fans have for our games. Um, Senior Managing Executive Officer Shinya Takahashi also had an answer for the question and expanded uh, on the topic a bit. Quote, we are always considering how to... how to develop new titles and remakes that can be enjoyed by many players. During the 78th Ordinary General Meeting for Shareholders in 2019, we were asked if there were any plans to remake Famicom Detective Club series, and at the time, we were we happened to be planning a remake. Uh, that is an example uh, where we are... <laughs> that is the example where we were already actively developing such title. We cannot tell you if there are any other plans for future remakes of any specific game, but during development, we are always thinking about various possibilities that players can enjoy, end quote. So <laughs> I think like Nintendo especially, they're always getting sort of like, oh, it's going to be a new F-Zero game with Star Fox and it, the, the, the list just goes on and on. For me, it's Kid Icarus. Come on, make a bloody Kid Icarus game, please. Um, but it's interesting how like they sort of went into that, you know, people were asking for a Famicom Detective game and at the time it was actually in development and that game did come out. And really that was like a really sort of niche sort of game to pull out the backpack and do a remake of. But I guess enough people were asking for it and they think that it could have done well enough. Uh, the visual novel sort of genre has become pretty popular and Switch is a great platform to play it on. Um, so I guess they sort of saw some money's worth in that. That's a title I like to play as well. 
But I thought it was just a neat little tidbit to bring up anyway. All right, so that brings up all the news. It's all done. I think uh, it's a pretty small week, but with the Nintendo Direct, I think it was uh, a pretty good sort of sort of week, and we saw some saw some a lot of games. I think I'm pretty excited to to come to our favorite little handheld. So pretty cool. But let's jump into what's out this week: Nintendo Red Coin releases. And see what's going on. All right, so we've got some brand new games, and oh my god, who doesn't like a brand new game every now and again? We've got a Monster Hunter Sunbreak and this expansion. You can get it for 60 bucks on the Australian eShop. It's a nice little title. Um, so if, if you've been really looking forward to more Monster Hunter content, you're probably going to be pretty happy with this. The world of Monster Hunter Rise gets bigger and deeper with the massive expansion featuring new monsters and new locales and more. Note, you must own Monster Hunter Rise in order to play this expansion. Sunbreak content is not accessible after completion of the seven-star hub quest, Serpent Goddess of Thunder. Thunder. If you purchase this content while the game is open, you must restart the game in order to access this content. All right, there you go. So Monster Hunter fans rejoice, it's finally here. We've got Little Noah, Skullin of Paradise. And this was in the Nintendo Direct. Looks pretty cool. Uh, a bit of a side-scroller game. You bring in your materials back. And you're in a, you're also... In a, you go back to your atelier, which is pretty cool too. You're an alchemist. So I like, I like a good old alchemy game every now and again. Join the genius alchemist Noah and her cat companion Zipper as they explore ancient ruins to uncover the secrets hidden within. Create unique teams and combos from 40-plus recruitable allies in this casual but compelling game. Port Manicloud, a nation that owes its power to the prophecy of alchemists. Noah, an alchemist pro prodigy, is journeying across the skies in an airship when she discovers mysterious floating ruins. As she draws closer to investigate, her cat leaps on board. The cat <laughs> accuses Noah of being a tomb raider oh, and uh, unleashes a storm that sends her vessel crashing down. In need of parts to repair her ship, and driven by curiosity, curiosity, um, Noah enters the ruins. All right, so it's a, it's a casual road like. Repair your airship and uh, unique parties with unique combos. Pretty cool. Twenty-two bucks and uh, ninety-five cents on the Australian eShop. Pretty cool. Also announced was a portable uh, companion collection. So you get two games. You get the Portal and Portal Two, which is pretty cool. And uh, break the laws of uh, uh, spatial physics in this hilariously mind-bending adventures of Portal and Portal 2. Including Portal and Portal 2, the compilation collection comes to Nintendo Switch with all the groundbreaking gameplay, dark humor, and exploration that earned the series hundreds of rewards. In Portal, you use the highly experimental Portal device to solve puzzles and challenges, maneuver objects, and yourself through space space to puzzle your way through the mysterious uh uh science laboratories there you go all right and we got another game as well we got another rabbit game and i believe this this game rabbits party legends it recently came out you can get it for 60 bucks but uh, i believe this was a china only game i don't know if it was on switch or um what platform was on, but I know it was China only, and now it's now it's now it's finally here. It's like basically like a Mario Party clone. Um, embark on a legendary journey with 
rabbits in this hilarious hilarious party game. Join join them on this incredible quest filled with hilarious moments and colorful characters. Gather with your friends and family. I'm dying. And enjoy multiple uh, ridiculous fun mini games in the most epic rabbits party yet. All right. There's a, demo, there's a demo for it too. There you go. Have you seen me buying this game? Absolutely not. Not in a million years. <laughs> but it's there if you want it. And we also got four more games for the Sega Genesis uh, portion of Nintendo Switch Online. You can get Comics Zone, Target Earth, Zero Wing, and Mega Man, The Wily Wars. Um, and I actually haven't d- sort of dug into the Genesis uh, sort of section of the online expansion pack yet. So maybe I should get into there and try some stuff out. There's plenty of stuff on the Master System and um, all that that I want to try out. So should jump into it. So, all right, guys, I think that brings us to the end of the show. Thank you very much for joining me on this week of The House of Mario. It's uh, episode 226. If you enjoy the show, be sure to leave a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And if you'd like to join our game gathering, it is this week, July 6th, 8 a.m. <laughs> I did it again, 8 p.m. I'm not getting up that early in the morning. Well, I am up that early in the morning, but I'm not home. I'm at work. Australian Central Standard Time. And, uh, of course, if you don't want to do that, that's uh, no worries at all. You can listen to it on Encore at the House of Mario, a separate feed where we put up solo content, interview content, review discussions, all of that stuff that is more experimental and not talking about the latest and greatest. Maybe it's a bit of a time to reflect and check out some other stuff as well. So go and check out that Encore at the House of Mario. Yeah. Well, guys, I re- very much appreciate your time. You come into the house. I was a little bit flustered. I got a couple of mess- messages from my wife about her, about her coming home. Have I been to the supermarket yet to go and get some puree? No, I have not. I'm going to go and do that now. But uh, until next time, guys, the doors to the house of Mario are closed. I'll catch you later. The House of Mario, a Nintendo podcast, is lovingly crafted and recorded in the southeast of South Australia. The show is produced and hosted by me, Drew Agnew, and my co-host is Bryce DeWitt. If you enjoy my work here and on my other podcasts, Encore at the House of Mario, A Drew Story, and Crackin' Furfies, help spread the word by sharing us with a mate or leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you would like to show further support and help me achieve my goal of freeing up one working day a week to spend more time refining and creating podcasts, please consider checking out patreon.com slash idruby, where for only $1, you get access to my secret recordings, where I share everything behind the scenes. A big thank you to the legend DJ for supporting the content at the podcast producer level on Patreon. From the bottom of my heart, thank you.